You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Well, my challenge is always in giving a uh, commencement address for the graduates. The challenge with that type of an address is that um, the family members all expect me to get up here and say something really endearing and great about each one of the graduates as if I know them all as well as I know my daughter and to give them some sort of a pep talk about going out into the world the way that it is and how they're going to change it and they're the answer to all the world's problems. And I'm supposed to speak to each one for five minutes and then put the gospel message in here and do all of this in the 10 minutes that I have been allotted. So that's my challenge this this uh, evening. I'm used to speaking in the morning, so that's what I say, and it's my challenge this morning. I could, I could get up here and say, the world is horrible and you guys are the answer and you can charge forward and do what you do and you, got, you can do it, you can power, you all, yes we can, I could give you that motto, yes we can, that was played out, no we can't. So instead of doing any of that, because really all of those type of answers to the world's problems are the spirit of the age solutions, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I would like to give you a firm, healthy dose of reality here tonight, and I want to do that by just offering three real simple um, statements that I'm going to elaborate on a little bit. First, the world that we live in is really, really messed up, really messed up. You can look around you and you can see the lawlessness and the racial tension and the complete breakdown almost of Western society and Western culture and everything that those of us who grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s took for granted. All the things that we value, those things are just, they seem to be passing away and passing away with a speed that is really concerning. There's political, the political environment is a disaster. The economic situation is, is daunting and intimidating. And it seems as if the darkest days are on the horizon. We've all been confronted with, in the COVID scare, the reality of facing our own death. And so that has made our mortality kind of come to the surface and make us contemplate the, the possibility that a pandemic could come in and wipe us all out and kill us all. So we've all had to deal with that. And then it seems as if there is ever-encroaching tyranny at every corner and every segment of our society. And now we have a, a brand-new nation set up in downtown Seattle, Antifistan. And uh, that I, I don't know that that's going to last a long time, Antifistan, because as soon as they realize that you can't grow avocados in Seattle and that you have to import those from Californistan, then that whole thing is going to fold up and go away faster than you can say Animal Farm. And really that's what we're watching is Animal Farm unfold all the way around us. Now if you've never watched, if you've never read the book Animal Farm, I would encourage you not only to read it, but I'm going to start a, a movement to include it as part of the canon, the 67th book of the Bible, <laughs> because it is almost prophetic. Okay, So that's the world in which we live. An absolute dumpster fire if there ever was one. That's the reality. Here's the second statement. You can't fix it. And you can't fix it, 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 and I can't fix it. And the very last thing that this world needs is a generation of graduates and young adults who think that they can fix it. And the very last thing that this world needs is a generation of young adults who think that they can find out what the solution is. 
Because the world does not need just a tweaking of the economic picture, a little bit of wealth redistribution. The world does not need a social rearrangement of the social structure and the culture and the media. The world does not need uh, Antifa Stan in Seattle and all of these other little enclaves of people declaring their own autonomy. The world doesn't need any of that. It doesn't need more laws. It doesn't need more regulations. It doesn't need anything that we can impose upon it from the outside. Because if, if we are seeing anything right now, it is the, the complete failure of every human institution that is designed by man and created by man. All of it is failing. It's all crumbling around us. So the solution is not another human institution. And the solution is not more bright people, as bright as all of you are. You're not the solution to it. And as bright as the, of the collectively everybody here is, we are not the solution to those problems. And the last thing the world needs is a generation of people that think that they can fix it. Because every time we try and fix it, guess what we do? We start another dumpster fire. We do this every time. So as human institutions and human solutions and ideas crumble around us and they show their ineptitude and their inability to accomplish what we want them to accomplish, we ought to at least realize that the solution is not another group of human institutions, another group of human ideas, another group of people that if we just put the animals in charge of the farm, sorry, I'm not trying to exegete animal farm, but if we just put the animals in charge of the farm, then we'll realize that all animals are equal, right? Until it all swings around and we realize that some animals are more equal than others. And then we get to the end of the solution, we realize the pigs are looking at the humans and the humans are looking back at the pigs, and you can't tell the difference between the two of them anymore. That's the history of society. It's human institutions. It's human ideas and human wisdom. That's the spirit of the age, and we don't need any of that. And you guys don't need any of that. You don't need to be worried about trying to find out what the solution to that is. Or try to be the solution, I should say. Here's the third statement. And this is actually where it starts to get encouraging, if you were hoping that it would. It does here at some point, right? Here's where it starts to get encouraging. It has always been this way. It has always been this way. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10 says, Do not say, why was it that the former days were better than these? It is not from wisdom that you say this. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? That is not a statement of wisdom. That is a statement of foolishness. The former days were not better than these days. The players were different. The scenery was different. The, but all of the, all of the problems and the situations and the circumstances and the issues were all still the same. If I could take us all outside and put us into a DeLorean and take us back, not to 1950 and not to 1985, but back to the beginning of the founding of the Republic, you know what we would find? We would find that at the beginning of our nation, times were tough. They were really tough. Lucky if you lived past 40 years old, you had to have your teeth taken out with a chisel. There's no anesthetic. There's no aspirin. There's no penicillin. Most people who were born in this country died before they reached the age of 10 or 12. Times were really tough, and economically, it was a struggle. And then, then we were thinking about taking on the world's largest military and trying to overthrow them and establish our own nation. Man, do you, you want to know what it would be like to sit around the dinner table of many of the people who lived in the late 1700s, what that would have been like? And if you think racial tensions are bad now, go back before the Civil War. And speaking of the Civil War, we, we, cost, we spent 600,000 lives in our nation. One out of every, I don't know, a single-digit males died in the Civil War in this nation. You think that those were easy times? Those were not easy times. Times have always been difficult. Times have always been uncertain. Times have always been challenging. Times have always been horrible. Because the world in which we live is a mess. It has always been that way. You're not the solution. I'm not the solution. And whether we're talking about the time that existed 200 years ago 
or 150 years ago or 100 years ago, do not say, why were the former days better than these? It is not of wisdom that you say this. The scenery has changed and the players have changed, but all the problems are the same. Now, when I graduated from high school, it was 1990. We had just lived through the greatest decade that the world has ever known, the 1980s. We had just seen the Reagan Revolution, which was fantastic, and we thought that everything was bright and sunny and America's greatest days were ahead of her. And yet, even and as I graduated from high school, there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of difficult times, a lot of challenging things going on. I mean, immediately after that, we, well, we, you know what we had to deal with after that and different administrations and where we're at today, right? So at every generation and every time, things have been difficult and things have been challenging. But here's, here's the thing. We all live our lives, don't we? We go forward and we live our lives as they are. And we recognize that even though the world is horrible and even though it has always been this way, and even though I am not the solution, we do realize that there is a solution, and Scripture speaks to that. See, the reason it has always been this way, and the reason the world is horrible, to quote the great prophet of old, we didn't start the fire, it's always burning since the world's been turning. Okay, well, not actually since the world's been turning, but since the world fell in the Garden of Eden through Adam's disobedience. That's what started the fire. And the reason that it's always the same, and the reason that it never changes, is because the, the, the circumstance or the thing that is the issue that is the cause of all of our difficulties and all of our trials and all of the horrible mess that we're in, that never changes. And the problem is not outside of us. The problem is inside of us. See, when the animals take over the farm, they think that by simply turning over the human institutions, they can solve the problems, but they can't because the problem is always with every generation that comes along. So the issues are the same because the problem, the cause of it is the same, and the problem and the cause of it is sin. See, we can't solve these problems, these issues, because we are sinners, and we are fallen, and we are under the judgment of God. That is how we are born into this world. So yeah, we didn't start the fire, and yes, it's always burned since the world's been turning or since it fell in the Garden of Eden, as it were, but that causes all the problems, and now all of us are contributors to that very problem through and by our own sin. It is because we have sinned that this world is the way it is. And it's, it's fashionable in today's world to point the finger at somebody else and to say, well, it's, it's those rebellious people and it's those lawless people and it's those that are doing that and, and it's because they're creating this controversy and it's the media and it's this political party or that political party or it's that candidate or it's, it's that entertainment culture or whatever it is. We're always pointing the finger outside and we always have to point the finger back at ourselves. That's the reality because we are the problem. We are sinners. And the proof of our sin is everywhere. Scripture declares or decrees that we are sinners. We are sinners because we are fallen in Adam and we have inherited his guilt and we stand under the wrath of God and we are born into this world in that condition. And all of us stand under the judgment of God because we are liars, we are thieves, we are blasphemers, we are adulterers at heart, we are disobedient to our parents, we have violated all of God's law, that moral and righteous standard which demonstrates to us what God's standards are, shows us what God's standards are, we have violated all of that. And so we stand condemned. And the, and the evidence of our sin and the thing that accuses us is actually our own conscience. Our conscience bears witness to what Scripture says. Scripture says that you are a liar because you have told lies and that your part will be in the lake of fire if you do not repent and trust Christ. Your part will be in the lake of fire and you will deserve that judgment and you will receive that judgment because God is just and He must punish sin. And our conscience bears witness and says, yeah, I read, I have lied, I have stolen, 
I have lusted and committed adultery in my heart. I have hated people and, and committed murder. I have violated all of those Ten Commandments in spirit, if not in letter. And I've done it multiple times on multiple occasions in all kinds of various ways. And I myself am guilty. You and I have contributed to this problem. Because not only are we condemned in Adam, we've actually contributed to the sin problem in this world. And we stand before God condemned. That's the bad news. The good news is that there is a solution. But the solution to man's problem, which is sin... And the fact that we are under the wrath of God, the solution to that problem comes not from inside this world, not from on this stage, and not from in this room, but from outside of this world. God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. He was God in human flesh, 100% God and 100% man. He lived a perfect life, kept all of God's laws, never disobeyed, never violated any of the commandments. He lived perfectly because He was God, the God-man. Then he died on a cross and died the perfect death so that he could pay the sin price for any and all who will repent and believe in him. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the solution to our sin problem. It doesn't come from any graduating class. It doesn't come from any congregation of people. It comes from outside of this world. We need an alien righteousness. We need a righteousness to stand before God that is imputed or given to us that we do not have, that we cannot earn, that we, in which we cannot possibly, uh, can, cannot possibly contribute or merit in any way. We need somebody else's righteousness. And not only do we need that, but we need somebody else to pay the price for our sin. Because God is a just God and He must punish sin. That's what just judges do. It's only wicked judges that let guilty criminals go free. So God must punish sin. And how has He accomplished this act of showing us love and grace and saving us and making sure that the cost and the price of sin has been paid? He has done this in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, did both of those on our behalf, and then He commands us this day to repent and to believe the good news of the gospel so that we may be saved. And when we repent, that is, we turn from sin and we trust in the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe savingly upon Him, we are born again. God gives us a new heart. He forgives us of our sins. He credits us the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and we are forgiven and righteous in His Son. That is the good news of the gospel. That is what we just sang on the screen in worship here before I stood up here. That's the solution to our problem. So it's not you, graduates, not at all. You must repent and you must believe the gospel. So since the solution is not in you and it's not in this room and it's not in any human institution, it's nothing that we can do, since the solution to our core problem comes from outside of us, I would challenge you with this. I challenge you to give your life to that gospel. Be faithful to it, know it, love it, embrace it. Because what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What will it profit you if you cure cancer, if you create a utopia, which you cannot do? But if you cure cancer, if you create a utopia, if you solve some massive problem, if you get a Nobel Peace Prize, if you are recognized before the entire world, what does all of that profit you if you gain all of that but you lose your own soul? So live for that which is eternal. Give your life to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ because that is the only thing that will last. Everything around you is temporal. Everything around you is temporary. It is all passing away, the world and its lust, the world and its attractions, the world and its priorities, the world and its sin, its ruin, its curse. It's all passing away. It will all vanish. Your time here is short. Before you know it, you will be graduating your own children, and you'll be walking in here. You'll be my age, and I'll be so old, I won't be able to walk in here under my own strength. And before you know it, that's going to happen. And you're going to watch all your kids graduate. And life is going to pass from before you. And what will you have at the end of all of that? A college degree? Possibly a prize, recognition, honor, riches, wealth. 
Maybe you have all of those. Maybe you have none of those. But what will it profit you if you gain all of those and lose your own soul? Do not concern yourself with that which is passing away, but only with that which is eternal. And that is the gospel and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will all be gone in a blink of an eye. It will slip through your fingers. It will vanish faster than you can say, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And I ask you, unbeliever, who has not repented and trusted Christ for salvation, what will it profit you if you gain everything but you lose your soul on Judgment Day? Repent and believe. Trust in Him. Everything else is passing away. Only that is eternal. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.